Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hallelujah. I don't know if there's just any way I can describe to you the process of just praying and how important it is to me for you to be praying that God would direct and guide what, what we're preaching about. Amen. Um, hallelujah. You might maybe think this is kind of funny, but I, uh, you know, a lot of things run through my mind throughout the week. A lot of things that uh, as I'm studying and I'm praying and I'm reading the word of God just for my own devotion, I come across a lot of a lot of neat ideas and things, I guess, that at least I like. Amen. But I want God's will to be done. I want God's timing and direction by the time. We get to uh, what I feel like the Lord has led me to. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's just uh, I get this feeling like this is just the most important thing <laughs> that needs to be said. There's nothing else. I couldn't say something else if I wanted to. Amen. And uh, I, I want God's anointing in that. I want God's direction. It's uh, it's so important that we hear from God. And I know more than anybody I know my own weakness. Amen. I know my own frailty. I know what can distract me and and uh, get me off track or and uh, something that I feel like very early on. I've asked God to just help me do what he wants me to do. That's feed God's sheep. Amen. And I know a lot of people expect a lot of things. I, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of really amazing what I would call masterpiece sermons. And I've gotten. I mean, nothing but respect for some some things that I just uh, I might go back and listen to time and time again. But I recognize in in what we're doing here right now, this isn't something that this uh, that we're trying to just uh, uh, put together some great uh, uh, speech that that uh, puts all these points together. We want God's people to be fed and ministered to. That's why really, let me say this quickly, really it doesn't matter who's not here, who might listen to it later, amen, and put it together and say, you know what, as far as uh, messages are concerned, you know, this is, uh, you know, some, some mistakes that he might have made in the way he, he built his point upon a thesis and, and his bullet, you know, it doesn't matter, amen. It doesn't matter who was here or who's uh, that, you know... Even as parents, sometimes, you know, you say, well, well, how, why do you why do you deal with things differently now? Well, they're not babies anymore. Right. Amen. Right. So a lot of times I heard people say, well, you know, that's not the way it was. Yeah, hopefully you grew up and you need something stronger than that. Right. Different than that. So a lot of people compare and contrast and got these ideas. But really, we just want to get down to what God wants for us right now today. So Hebrews 10, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for truth. It's already been said here, Lord, that it's not about religious tradition. It's not about, Lord, the many, many sad ideologies and isms of uh, of what so-called Christianity has put out there. But God, we want to look into your word and we want it to become real to our lives today to help us right where we are, God. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are hungry, Lord, and receptive, ready to obey. Lord, teach us today. Disciple us, God. And, Lord, let your anointing just work in a great way today. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 
Hebrews 10, verse 22. I hope you'd follow along. Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's talking to the Hebrews. They're familiar in their Old Testament about the sprinkling of the blood. That would happen on the altar. It would happen on the, even on the uh, uh, candlesticks and on the, even on the book and on the people. Now he's saying, we're going to sprinkle your, your hearts from an evil conscience. Amen. And they would wash the sacrifice and wash the different ritual uh, implements that they would use. And he's talking about washing our lives. What's the pure water? The water of the word of God, the Bible says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us also, let us, and let us consider one another. Think about somebody else. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Must be important. Says we need to provoke one another to love and good works, so don't forsake when we assemble together, as the manner of some is, even then. But exhorting one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, and so much the more. We need it more today than ever before. As you see the day approaching. And he goes on and tells them if we sin willfully, After that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain, somebody say certain, certain certain fearful looking for the, for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. God bless you. You can be seated. Sometimes it's amazing to some people, shocking to them to get the context of some verses. They know the Bible says in some way, in some wording, forsake not the assembling, but how important it is to really know what God is saying here. Amen. And how God is teaching us what we need. I want to, before this is over, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about why it's important to assemble together, which seems pretty like easy preaching because I'm preaching to those that have already assembled. So, uh. But uh, before this is over, I want to put together one word with church that you never, 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 I think, would think about. You'd never put it together with God's church, but that's what I want to be preaching about. But before I do that, let's talk about how we need to consider this. We need to think about why it's so important to assemble ourselves together. Now... I know some of you social butterflies, you just can't wait to get out of bed and get around folks. But that's not all of us. Amen. There's times where I feel like it would be easier to just go ahead and be my myself. I know most of you that know me well understand that you don't have to feel sorry for me when you hear somebody say, you know what, what's he doing? Oh, he went out there by himself. He's out there taking a walk. And Oh, is he by himself? Yeah, poor me. Oh, did he go and get lunch all by himself? Yeah. Oh, 
Uh, you know, sometimes uh, when even when it's it gets a little tougher for some. Even some that are more social than others. Sometimes you recognize, uh, I've heard it so many times, uh, the enemy fights folks. And they'll say, well, I just need some time on my own. I'm going through some things. Let me tell you something. That's not wise. Amen. 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 Sometimes when you're really struggling, you know, I've got to, I've learned how to just twist my own arm at times. I don't need somebody telling me, hey, you know what you need? I know what I need. I need somebody. Amen. I need a friend. I need a Christian. I need to get away from, you know, you get on your phone and all the, all the positivity that's on that thing just brings you out of it. You know, that's, that it's, it it can, it can suck you in and, and, and make you feel more and more just, just what this whole world has lost its mind. Amen. God wants his family to get together. That's right. God wants his family together. Now, you can talk a lot about how the church itself, what you might call the church, people that call themselves Christians. And I would say nominally, uh, sister was talking about different doctrines and things that are fundamental in the word of God, but rejected by a lot of churches and a lot of things that are so clearly in the word of God that that people don't have any time for at all. Praise God. And and uh, but uh, I hear sometimes people saying, you know what, all the churches, God would love all the churches. Churches to come together if they could lay down all their false traditions and just love him and follow him and obey him. But generally, I would have to say, in my experience, every single time I've ever heard somebody say, you know what the problem is? There's too much division in church. There's too many churches that don't get along. That sure can't be God's will. And I think, where were you Sunday? You can talk about what other people are doing, but you're pretty divided yourself when you're sitting home. What did you do? Well, you know, I, I read the Bible and I pray. What about all this Christian unity you're talking about? Amen. God wants this family to get together. God loves you, cares about you, and loves your neighbor. Amen. And he put it right in there. If you're going to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know what? I'm not done yet. Don't tune me out. <laughs> You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is going to really always ride on the tails of how loving God. Because if you're going to love people, you better love God first. Because God's easy to love. He'll contradict you. He'll challenge you. He's not always going to do things your way. But you, at the end of the day, know he was right. And if there's a problem, it's not with him. Amen. But you deal with people, praise God, sometimes it is them. Sure it is. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's just who knows what. But God wants his family to be together. God loves to come into the house when everybody is present and accounted for. Amen. He, he, he wants his family to be together. And listen to me. I want to give you a few uh, understandings. I, I, I feel like I could come up with, I think without even, even thinking about it, we, we wrote down about seven or more things to just, just right away, just feel like this, but I want to just focus on a few before we start with our message. Amen. There's something about worshiping God. Shall I worship God? Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't deny it. I pray. I believe you pray. Amen. 
But I want to tell you something as much as I believe in it and think that it's so important that we worship and that we come into his presence on a daily basis. There is something that when we are coming together in his presence as a family, that means something to God. There's something about the unity that is in this diversity of, uh, of the body of Christ that, that matters to him. That he shed his blood and made a way that we could have a, a, a time together to, in his presence that he would promise us that he would move in a special way. Yes. Amen. Yes, when you see in the book of Acts, God start to move and God start to work and God start to pour out his spirit. You'll, you'll find these sincere people, these hungry people, but thank God somebody was coming by. It wasn't a coincidence, but almighty God saw that hunger in their heart and he'd take a preacher from a red hot revival and, and say, Hey, there's somebody right there reading the book of Isaiah. They need somebody to pray with them. They need somebody to put them down in the water. Amen. There were times when the preacher would be there and say, hey, people are people are loving this. People need this and and call back to Jerusalem and say, hey, come on, Peter and John, be a part of this. Be a part. of This isn't just about me. This is this is about the body. This is about God's team, if you will. Amen. It's about who we are. God wants to bring us together. And when he when we just just the very simplest act of worship. Amen. Just the very simplest act of prayer. When we gather together and join together, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your battle is, but that when we join together and come into his presence, God will show up as he has promised to and has shown us in his word time and time and time again that his blessings, his help, his strength will be present with us because he loves that he loves that god's heart breaks when his family doesn't get along god's heart breaks when we feel like we got something better to do and we don't need the we don't need what god he said don't forsake it amen matthew 28 the presence of god will become so special. Because if you'll allow it, turn to Matthew 20, if you'll allow it, you recognize there's battles when you press on through into the presence of God. Sometimes when you pray, it's not always just flowing as easy as you'd like it. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm not done with my first point yet, but listen to me. People say, well, I have trouble praying in in church around a lot of people. You probably have trouble praying. Because when we build an atmosphere in this house that God can move freely in. Amen. And you're out there with your battles and those spirits and those troubles that you have. And you say, oh, I I had a really good breakthrough. I don't doubt it. But if you can't break through in church where people are praying for you, with you, because there's spiritual battles. Amen. There's carnal hangups that we have. You're fighting an internal dialogue. 
You're fighting some doubts and some fears and some things to really come into the presence of God. Church can help you so much more than you realize. Get the victory that you need. Matthew 28. Verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. How many believe it's true? He said it. It should be true. Go ye therefore and teach. Somebody say teach. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Thank God I know what the name is. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, not the names. Amen. One name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. Father's not a name. Son's not a name. Holy Ghost, not a name. Thank God when you go and see how they fulfill this, they obey it in the book of Acts, in the Acts the second chapter, in Acts the eighth chapter, in Acts the tenth chapter, in Acts the nineteenth chapter. Amen. They're saying the name of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. Amen. Not one time do you see them repeating this, these words as some kind of formula, but they they profess that proper name of Jesus Christ. But I want to focus in on that idea of teach all nations. Amen. He goes on in verse 20, says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's already been said about misconceptions about church. A lot of people come to church and they're uncomfortable because they already have expectations. And, and, uh, and uh, sometimes when you have false expectations, the truth will disappoint you. But the truth is that we haven't come here to be entertained. We haven't come here to get it our way, so to speak. But Jesus talked about his church, told them. To go and teach them. That word is uh, a very important word to get because it really means at its most basic level to make disciples. Which shouldn't be surprising to anyone because that's what Jesus did. In his uh, example to us, it was more than just saying, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, hey, I'm all for encouragement. Don't get me wrong. We need encouragement this last day. But it's got to be a whole lot more than just getting a, a neat little uplifting idea that can get us on our way. We need to be disciples to be followers of Jesus. To be taught how to be Christ-like. To learn what it means because there's so many lies that have been put in us through false doctrine and false teaching. And, and just uh, the world has... has Produced a lot of broken folks. And we're trying to figure out from all the different, just the hodgepodge of all the different influences and all the different people that say, well, isn't God like this? And didn't God say this? And church is so important that we come because we need to be disciples. So I know I'm saved. I know God loves me. I, I have, hey, that's just the beginning, being born again. And it's just the beginning of, of becoming a disciple. Yeah. Learning, learning what it means to, to, to take Jesus home and, and, and live in a, in a home. And sometimes our homes are, can be antagonistic towards faith for some people. Right. To take it to our jobs where, 
or, or to school and, and recognize that, that these, there, there's a lot of things that, that we all have in this last day and in our culture that are, that are anti-Christ. Yeah. Yeah, amen. amen. That are very ungodly and very violently opposed to, to what it means to be a Christian. Most of all, there's a lot of things inside each one of us. A lot of things we've heard, a lot of things we've been. Amen. That are unhealthy, that are wrong, that are, that are, that are not what God put in you. And if you'll come to church and, and be teachable, God can help you overcome sins and habits and hang-ups and things that, that maybe you've not even considered. There's things, seriously, there's some things in my life I, I thought, well, I would have never thought of that. Well, look at that. God already did it for you. He thought of it. And he, he's connected that part of your life to, to something so meaningful and, and, and to learn. To learn how to think. To learn how to, what's the Bible say? Uh, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatever, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's easy to say. God will teach you how to do that. God will teach you how to, how to have a heart that produces righteous speech. I've talked like that my whole life. I had some of these habits. Talked to people that I grew up in a house that drank and cussed and smoked and, or drugs and, and, and talked to somebody here just the other day talking about how they started drinking eight years old. That's all they knew. It was their home. God will teach you. There's some things God just breaks chains. There's sometimes God just shows you, hey, here's how a Christian overcomes. Amen. Amen. Things in my life about being just a, 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 I tell you, I can get almost angry at, uh, uh, I guess let me just be blunt about it. I don't get almost angry. But I think about the influence of, of all the, the, the entertainment that I've had in my life and, and uh, what it showed me about uh about relationships about a home about marriage and 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 it was damaging talking to young people even very recently about what it means to really uh be a a godly husband a godly parent it's so foreign to someone who's never seen it so foreign to someone who all they know is objectification and lust and selfishness Amen. Things that God taught me about just every part of my life. It could be my finances. It could be my, my uh, just one step in front of another. Everything that he's, he, he teaches us. He'll disciple you. He'll help you grow. It's not about the list of rules. It's about discipling. That's why it's so important to understand that aspect in in raising children that this is a discipline is more than just uh, uh all people know is corporal punishment that you better know what discipline means what correction is yeah. correction yeah. it's a whole lot more than just getting angry and losing control that's abuse but understanding it's just a lot easier to to look the part, a lot easier to, to, to just say, hey, hey, just shut up and behave. Listen, God has disciples. Yeah. 
Amen. Talks about there in our text, if you want to go back to it in in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more. Sadly, a lot of people have this idea. Well, I'm I'm strong and I'm on my way to heaven, so I don't need church. What a selfish idea of the kingdom of God. Talks about considering one another, provoking one another to love and good works, exhorting one another so much the more. I have found in my own life that the strength that I have, the understanding that I have, can and will be challenged at times. Amen. There's times when no matter how much I might think I know that I can be my own worst enemy. Amen. And doubt and second guess. And that's, you say, oh, that's so dangerous. Not if you have community, if you have the body around you to say, hey, I recognize this long time before it ever comes. So I, I can get somebody in that, that I can see Jesus in them. Yes. Amen. Somebody that I have. I'm not scared of people around me that are stronger than me. I appreciate that because I, that's, that, that makes me more secure in, in the team that God is building around me. So I look for somebody that, 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 hey, can I, can I recognize that, that, uh, they've got something real in them? Not afraid of examples that God's put in my life because I'm going to need that. There are people that you say, well, I just get through it, me and Jesus. You probably, probably got a lot of unresolved things going on in you that that will fester after a while. Listen, God's put us in a place where, well, you see it in the Bible. We talked about, it, I think here recently, talks about even in the Old Testament that one can put a thousand to flight. Wow, you're doing good. A thousand battles, a thousand enemies. However you look at it, you can, you can get rid of a thousand enemies and two can put 10,000 to flight. So you've done pretty good up until now. Because your worst battle never got over a thousand, but I'm telling you, ten thousand comes. Amen. You'll come to a time where you where you got ten thousand. Amen. You you can go a long time, and God's mercy keeps your battles a certain way. And this is where we're going to preach tonight, Lord willing. But you come to a time in your life. Praise God, and it's by design. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some help. You're not going to be the only one that's got the right thing to say, the right words, the right prayer. You're going to need to join together. Amen. Two are better than one, the Bible says. Threefold cord is not quick. You're going to need to build that. You're going to have to go after that. I, I can tell you it's not the easiest thing for me. But I've made up my mind. I'm going to have people around me that I can lean on. Amen. Some of my friends, you know what, after a while, they made a different turn that I could not follow them in, and that breaks my heart. But I will have somebody that I can lean on when I need prayer. Somebody that I can trust when I know that I 
feel the shaking that God said is going to happen. Amen. When you get the idea somehow, you're like the prophet Jeremiah. There's nobody but got it like me. I hear from God and nobody else does. You are already deceived. You're not just ready for deception. You already crossed that line. People that feel like they're living in days and everybody's just, everybody's back. I'm the only one that sees that truth. You've already crossed that line. You need to recognize, hey, I don't ever want to get to a place. Even Elijah wasn't the only one. Amen. There's so many more things, so many more things we could cover. We talk about the Great Commission. Talk about how in order to save folks, in order to see people saved, let me say, he does the saving. But in order to make sure that they, they know Jesus. And can I tell you what, that's, that's not just a, a one-person deal. We all work together to bring them into that place again where they can, they can be born again and they can be discipled. Right. Amen. That takes, the, according to the word of God, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them to believe. Read it there in 1 Corinthians, also in, in Romans, the 10th chapter. How can they believe without a preacher? Hey, but that's more than just the preacher. We're all praying. We're all helping. We're all straight. That's what evangelism is all about. Right. And you, I, I hear people say, I, I can do the will of God. I don't need anybody. How sad. How sad it is to think that they, you can do more without help. You haven't read your Bible. And I want to say this, the people that I've seen that feel like they can do more for the kingdom of God without any help. What ends up happening is when they do find somebody, they want to be the hero. They want to be the prophet. They want to be the one that's hears from God because they can't share that kind of, it's not about who gets glory. It's about that soul. That's going to be, snatched out of destruction and and the church rejoices and the church works together and the prayers and the kindness and the giving and the and and the preaching and the praying and it all works together for the kingdom of god people that that think that they have a burden for evangelism but cannot but they still forsake the assembling they're not kingdom minded they're not kingdom minded they're 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 Full of themselves and self-importance and pride so often. Uh, we can take a little time and talk about accountability. Right. How important it is for somebody. Ah, as a pastor, you, you just don't know what kind of, how my heart smiles when somebody says, Are you sure you're all right? Are you sure you're doing okay? You need some help? God bless you. I know what happens. You tell somebody, hey, we missed you in church. Oh, I hate when people do that. Yeah, you're not doing good. Hiding from that. See, it's healthy for people. Did you tell the pastor you're concerned about me? That's healthy. He's going to love you and pray for you. Amen. To have that kind of accountability where... Anything else in this world, if you're part of a team of some kind, if you're part of some kind of, uh, of uh, working together for anything, you know, you know. Hey, why did you show up for work, man? We had to do double work. We had to stay overtime. None of your business. Leave me alone. I hate that when you do that. <laughs> this is even more so important because we're in a battle. It's more. It's less like a job and more like getting up on the front lines. Hey, we 
missed you up there on the front lines. We were taking fire <laughs> and we couldn't count on you. What's going on? Are you sure you're okay? Have you been, been hit? Do you need attention? That's really what it's that accountability is good for you. I'm worried about you. God bless you. I'm concerned. That's I, I can't stand with that. That's none of your business. No, it is really. It really is. According to this Bible, it does matter. We can talk a little bit about ministry and talk about how all of our gifts and our abilities that, that God would put us together, that we can strengthen one another. Your kindness, your mercy, your generosity, and, and many, many more things that the Bible talks about as gifts and abilities, that they're so vital. And that's what edifies. That's what builds us up. Right. Amen. You have not been called. People say, well, I'm the church. Don't you know that has nothing to do with the building? Wrong. You are not the church. We, amen, people, no one person is the church. According to this book, you don't have all the gifts, and there's gifts you're missing that somebody has, and you're going to have to oh, let somebody minister to you. Right. Takes humility. Yes. Takes humility to say, I don't have it all. I do need people. I need their, their testimony. I need their... Their, their kindness. I, I, need, I need help sometimes. That's, that's what's beautiful. It's insane when Christians sometimes have seen, been around church their whole lives and they think, I just don't need any of that. I can love Jesus the same way. And you go out in the world and walk away from church and people that have been beaten up, hurt, abused and going through hard, hard times and they seek somebody to help them. And that person that helps them says, you need to get around a community of people that can build you up and strengthen you. Hmm. It's not weird when, when the psychologist says it, it's not weird when they say, you know, it's healthy. Get away from some of those things that have pulled you down all your life and get around people that can encourage you and build you up and tell you, Hmm, makes sense when you say it. But God said it, put something more together than any one of our strengths, but his strength is in it when we come together and do his will forsake, not the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but the word that I want to talk to you about today for just a few more minutes, all these things and so many more, maybe you've got an idea of what how why church is so important to you that I haven't even touched. Maybe there's several in your heart. You say, man, God really helps me when I'm in such a way that it would have never happened if I would have isolated myself. But church can offer ministry, edifying. Church can Help us reach souls and bring us into the presence of God. Church can. He, see, it's a glorious church, the Bible says. Amen. It's a victorious church, the Bible says. It's a church that Jesus Christ himself is building and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But church can't. Church can't do some, one thing. Turn back with me to our text in Hebrews 10. Say, brother... Church can't. I want to tell you something church can't do. Not unteaching, not unteaching anything. 
not telling you it's okay to isolate yourself because it's not. It's never been good for you. Hebrews 10, some of you that travel so far to get to church, some of you that have rearranged work schedules, built your life around all these things because of how important you know it is. But I will tell you something church can't do, never could, never will. Hebrews 10, 19, we already read it. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I don't think we did have this in our text, did we? Hebrews 10, 20. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. We have boldness to come into his presence. Wait a minute. I thought, I told, I thought you said... When we come in his presence together, yes, but let me just use this text to tell you one thing church cannot do, and that's replace a real walk with God. No matter what we do to fulfill every one of these beautiful things that church does, you must have a walk with God. Amen. I'm telling you that there have been times I've been, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I've been to church, and I tell you, I could, I could quote scripture. Right. I could tell you I read my Bible. Right. I can tell you that 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 I I I understood uh, the truth of God's word, how important it was, and the lies that were being told. There were things in my life that that I'd put aside because I'm going to be in church, and I loved it. I loved the preaching. I loved the people. I loved the feel of the power of God. But when it was all said and done, I walked out of that. I did not have a real walk with God. Before I describe that to you, I'll say this as well. There have been times since that I have lived for God and loved Him and served Him with all my heart, but have gotten to a place where I feel like something's not happening, something's not right, something is, is, is mixed up and messed up, and I stop and say, wait a minute. It's not the preacher. It's not my wife. It's not my brother or my sister. I have drifted in my walk with God. Say, what do you mean? Did you stop praying? I can't say there hadn't been times. But I can tell you this, there have been times where I prayed and went through the motions, but God wasn't in it. I wasn't concerned about really humbling myself and coming into the presence of God and really letting God be real to me and having the breakthrough that I know I needed. And I could pray and I can talk, but if God can't touch me and correct me and deal with me and help me be what I need to be, then I'm not walking with him. I'm just talking to myself. I've done it. Probably you have too. Just get to a place where I'm not going to stop praying. Who do you think? Why would you even think something like that? But did I really, did I really have the breakthrough I needed? And you stop and you say, God, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you for a long time. All right. Amen. Yes, Has there been ever a time in your life where the word of God, where, where you just, hey, I read my Bible. Thank you very much. I can't tell you there haven't been times and seasons where, where I walked away from it and didn't, too busy, you know. I, or I take my time and I, I try to try to read something, but I end up getting distracted again. Yeah. You know, that phone call is more important. I got to get this. All right. Amen. Right. But 
But to be able to give God time, to really put time in and say, you know what, this is valuable to me. I, I'm not just going to, uh, let's see, God, let me get something I already, I, here's a psalm that I, I could probably almost quote. I'm going to read this. I read my Bible and I love that. Yeah, I know you love that. Oh, I read, I've, I read through my Bible. I'm pretty sure I, I've read through it. How many times in your life and how many years have you actually read the book of Nahum? Be honest. Because if you say once, and that's how many times you read through your Bible. Hello? But there's times where it's just easier. And I can say, God's lead me. Sometimes he does. But there's a lot of this that's just choosing what's valuable to me today and making time for it. To be able to take some time and work through the word of God and let it talk to me the best and know that it's not always as thrilling, but I got, I'm going to pray about it. And I found out that if I really do that, then, then he works with that and he brings that together in my life. Amen. Amen. If you don't get discouraged and give up. And I found out that, you know what, it's more than just, I read my Bible today, but it was a mirror to me. Times where it wasn't a preacher. See, the preacher is gonna, it's gonna cross you. Unless this can be a mirror to you. And there have been times before that you say, oh, wow, God. That's convicting me. That, that's like a, whew, that's hard to read. And the preacher didn't do it. The Holy Ghost did, and through His Word. And if that never happens to you, then it's going to be very awkward when it happens when the preacher opened the verse that you should have already probably read and knew that that's in there and going to get you. It's good. It's good. But the Bible talks about the perfect law of liberty being a mirror. And if you don't give God time to to look at your life, are you really walking with him? The Bible is not, listen, oh, wait a minute. No, I've got these feelings and I talk, I chat with him all day. The Bible is, he's going to talk to you through that. He's going to talk to you through that. It's going to help you understand what we're preaching to you Sunday morning and Sunday night, Wednesday night. Are you walking with God? Are you really walking with him or is it just religion, tradition? Do Do you spend time? In the Holy Ghost, in worship, in loving Him, and serving Him, and then asking Him to talk to you? How about church? I'll tell you this right now. I'll say it like Paul said. I delivered what I first received. God had to get a hold of me. I was brought up in church. And God had to put His finger right on my nose and say, You're playing church. You're playing church. You're going through the motions, but you don't let me talk to you. You don't touch my, in my, my presence. You're not, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a formality, but it's not, it's not where you make yourself vulnerable to me. Right. Church, no, no matter what part of church there is for you, it cannot take the place of a walk with God. Right. And everybody gets to a place where we need to be honest about our walk with God. Yeah. Everybody gets to a place where they're so busy or, or they've been battling and battling and battling. And you got to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me look at my walk with God. That's first. 
before I deal with anything else, God, in the past day, week, month, you say, well, I'm fasting. Are you fasting or are you just skipping meals? Are you fasting to where you're digging down and taking the teaching that we brought to you from, from, from what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, from what Isaiah said in Isaiah 58 and saying, this is, this is what I'm doing or, or are you just skipping meals? Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew seven eighteen. You got to have a walk with God. And you got to examine that walk occasionally and say, Lord, has, has, have other things. Hey, as a pastor, I've heard it time and time again. It's not just something I know in my own life, but you can get so busy that your own walk suffers. Amen. Busy with ministry. Yes. Busy doing things that are your responsibility. Look at Jesus. He came to seek and save that which was lost, right? Every now and then he said, y'all go on. Get in that boat. I'm going up on this mountain. No, you're not following me. I need to. That was an example to us. Times where you just, you need to, you need to look at your walk. Matthew seven eighteen. a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Right. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Not just saying, Lord, Lord. Many. Do you see that? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. How does God not know you? I know he exists. I know he's real. I know the cross is for me. I know he loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Why would he say he doesn't know me? He's almighty God. He can count the number of hairs on my head. He knows the cattle on a thousand hills are his. He knows every star by name. Why would he say he doesn't know us? Because that is a word of intimacy. That is a word of relationship. Not a one-sided, fake, phony idea of I just, me and Jesus have our own thing going on and I love it, but a, but a walk that is, that makes prayer alive, that makes the Bible challenge you, that makes the word of God and the house of God a place where we are strengthened and edified and grow. It takes a walk. I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If you drop down to verse, it goes on then. It says, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. It starts talking about the storm that comes in life. And they have no strength because that storm, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for the battle. They did not have that firm foundation. Let's bow our heads. Oh, hallelujah. Listen. 
so many times I've seen it over the years. People can be active in their church. They can appreciate what God is doing. They can enjoy a lot of things about the presence of God and the the blessings of what God will do and the principles of God's word will bring blessings. They're wise. Wisdom is going to give you a better life. But you have to look at your, your walk with God. I believe I'm talking to people that have had an experience with God. I believe I'm talking to people that know the reality of, of all these important issues that I told you that, that church can do and can be for you because Jesus is the head of the church. Listen, if you leave this house and your prayer life is routine, it's dry, it's weak, it's inconsistent, there's no spirit, there's no life, there's no effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man according to the Word. The Word of God is so unimportant. You don't pray about it. You don't dig into it. You don't look anything up. You don't ask any questions. You don't read through it and look for, look into that mirror of God's Word and let it touch your life. There were centuries that we know about in history where churches oppressed people by translating the Bible into a language that most people couldn't even read. And now here we have Bibles and Bibles and more Bibles. And What do they really mean to us? Coming to the house of God. Every part of every service just making it. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? If Jesus is in the center of it, if it's not what He is saying to you and doing for you and through you, then I want to ask you about your walk with God today. Because church can't take the place. It cannot replace a real walk with God. Our friend and pastor years ago, Brother Campbell, preached a message. They ended up putting it on the front of their the church bus, a lot of people misunderstood it, thinking that it was one or the other. But it was a message titled, Some Some Men Go to Church and Some Men Go to Heaven. What about you? Is this helping you get to heaven? Is Are you letting God direct your life? When was the last time you had a real prayer meeting? When was the last time you really touched God? When was the last time the Word came alive to you and you said, I needed that? That was for me. When was the last time you really got challenged, sharpened? I'm telling you it's available today. Look at yourself and ask the question, where's my walk with Him really? Come on, let's find a place to pray. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord.
you going to do when you stand before that God that made you? What are you going to do when you stand before God that created all things? What are you going to do with the cross that he has entered into time and space with compassion and with mercy? know you, that he might walk with you. It's his desire more than anything else. God knows that you need it. There's a blessing. He'll bring healing to your heart and mind. He'll bring deliverance in your life. There's a blessing. Oh, if you'll let him. Waiting for you. But there's nothing, nothing else. There's a blessing. That'll take the place. I know what it's like. I've seen it. Time and time again when we get weaker. on my heart. Lord gave me, I'm going to be preaching tonight. I came over to the church a few days ago. Just felt so shaken in my spirit. Just brought tears to my eyes. Battles that we've been fighting. Talk about spiritual warfare. The very reality of of the battle, the very reality of the battle that's happening in against the church, against God's people. And it just shook me. I'm gonna be preaching about it tonight, about how it's just there's 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 an elevating that's happening. There's a there's an intensifying of the battle that's happening and we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We cannot be playing games. We'll preach a little while tonight, Lord willing, about that. But listen, it's got to start here in this foundation. I know in my own life there's been times I've had to had to examine myself and be honest. And I've been honest with you today that there have been times that God's just brought back the clarity of, hey, this is this is the main thing. Help me. And help me just get back on track with, with my relationship, my walk with Him. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you that you care enough about us. You love us. You want to walk with us. That, Lord, we would spend eternity with you. Lord, help us, I pray, to consider. Lord, to consider our lives, the time we spend, and the quality. The quality of the time that we call yours, God. Help us, I pray, just to yield ourselves to you. Bless your people, Lord. God bless this afternoon.
for your glory, Lord, the service tonight, God. And we just, Lord, ask you to keep us safe and in you. We love you so much, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you.